Hello, welcome to the Does Buffy the Vampire Slayer Suck podcast, where four friends sit around and watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer and determine whether it rules or not. So I'm Keith, your host, and uh, me and my friend Mike are both Buffy fans from back in the day, but we haven't actually watched the show in some time. And then Julian saw some of the later seasons when he was a young lad, and Rayanne is pretty much brand new. But if you'd like more information about who we are and our histories with Buffy and such and such, check out uh, the previous episode. That was like our introduction. And now I presume we'll just do episode by episode fucking episodes. (laughs) So here's the first one. Welcome to the Hellmouth Part 1, the very first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it looks like we're going to aim for a weekly release schedule, probably on Mondays. So... Thanks to everyone who has checked this show out. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you on Mondays, unless the fucking wheels fall off this project, which, hey, who knows, man? Maybe when lockdown ends, we'll watch marginally less TV, but, you know, probably not. We'll probably keep watching TV. All right, here we go. So, yeah, general, I guess, basic first impressions of the two-hour premiere... Uh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How does everyone feel? Does it suck? I'll say that having watched all of Buffy and I know that season one is not great and it gets a lot better after. So I went in this being like, okay, I just got to get through it. And then episode one is going to be really bad. And episode one and two were totally good. I enjoyed them very much for me personally. I, I was like, you know, part of me was taking me back to like nostalgia and like hearing that dialogue, like the Joss Whedon dialogue and everything. It was cool. But yeah, I thought it was great. So that's me. I had the lowest of expectations (laughs) because not only there's just so much hype build up around it and I had had a preview of it before. Julian and I tried to watch it because people kept telling me I should and I hated it so much. I remember being like, I don't know how much we got through an episode, maybe two at most. And I was like, I'm not going to watch this. This isn't for me. And then every time anybody brought it up, I'm like, absolutely not. I hate this. And that's kind of what I was hoping to feel. But (laughs) because my expectations were the lowest they've ever been, it took a while. Like I was sitting there, we were watching it and I did not want to watch it. I was like, we have to get through this. We have to do this tonight. I'd really, Julian opened up the Plex, which we watch uh, Mike's Plex to see episodes of whatever he has on his and uh when you opened up the plex 90 day fiance was there and i was like wow i'd really rather watch 90 day fiance right now uh and so i was dreading it a lot and i was like we'll watch one episode tonight and then we'll see how we're feeling and we'll get through the rest tomorrow and after the first episode i was like well i I could do another (laughs) so i did not hate it but definitely for at least the first half of the first episode, there was a lot of me rolling my eyes, laughing, being like, this is so stupid. And Julian was like, oh, are you going to be like my dad is whenever we watch TV? Because his dad's just like a curmudgeon about anything that couldn't happen in real life. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I I am excited to watch another episode. <laughs> but you watch two, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like, you know, obviously I've seen later Buffy. So it's interesting to go back and watch this pilot, I think, for the first time. 
And you see some of the bones there, but not everything kind of fleshed out just yet. You saw real bones, too. Yeah, all the real bones that are in the show. Uh, There were definitely real bones in there. Mm -hmm. WB couldn't afford fake bones. They're like, just use real bones. It's cheaper. (laughs) Go to the morgue, see what we can dig up. Yeah, it was interesting to kind of watch. You know, it's it's very... It's kind of 90s low budget. It has some problems, but... It's very much like a TV movie, these first two episodes. It, you know, it has a story arc. It comes to a, a natural conclusion. It feels like it's the kind of thing that could be sold as a TV movie in case it didn't, the WB didn't want to pick it up to series or something like that. Yeah, I think, too, like uh, how Mike was saying, like, it's better than, than you expect it to be. And it is, like, a standout of, like, because we'll talk about this after, but I've jumped ahead a little. And, like, episodes three, four, and five all are fucking awful so we're gonna have to decide if we actually want to watch them or if we just want to skip past (laughs) but yeah this pilot is pretty good and this starts like a a thing you'll definitely notice is anytime at the start of the show it's a written and directed by joss whedon those are always the best episodes and especially this early on like again this idea that there was this vision for buffy definitely no one else had the vision at this point except him yeah (laughs) so this is like as good as it's gonna get for the start it's like in gilmore girls if it was an amy sherman paladino episode perfect anyone else not so much yeah it is absolutely yeah you got that showrunner person that knows mm-hmm. what the score is and yeah because I, I i agree like i was like this is cool like i'm i'm excited i'm glad i pitched this stupid idea for us to do this <laughs> podcast i think it's all gonna work out and then yeah once i got to episodes three four and five that's where it's like like, you could tell the people who wrote those episodes, they never got to see this pilot. They didn't know what the fuck they were even writing. They were just <laughs> writing Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark, dumb teen Buffy show. It's, like, really, really shitty. But, yeah, this pilot, not that bad. And there's some, again, as far as inversions, like, right away, he's doing weird shit that, especially back in 1997, was like, holy crap, you can't fucking do this, some of these weird things that happened in this episode. So I got little notes about things that happened in this episode. Should we go through them? Yes. And let's see if our notes match up in places. But yeah, welcome to the Hellmouth part one and two. They both aired the same night initially, March 10th, 1997. And uh, I thought just to, to put us in the place in history, I went and looked up what the number one movie and the number one song was the week that each episode came out. So we can do that as we go. Ooh, can we, are we going to guess? You want to? So what do you think the top movie might have been in March 1997? I don't know movies. Yeah. I'm out, I'm out of this round. Titanic? Oh, great guess. Howard Stern's Private Parts. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the top song is a lot easier to guess. What do you think? 1997? I think it's Spice Girls. Uh, I don't think it's Wannabe. I think it might be like uh, Spice... So- no. Uh, maybe like yeah, spice up your life. Man, it's fucking crazy. It is wannabe. That's close enough. Oh <laughs> that's shit! So close. Oh man. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's fucking nuts. <laughs> All right, so yeah, the way this kicks off is the same way that the initial movie, its whole inversion was. What if the ditzy girl who gets killed? What if she's actually a vampire slayer? This show starts with an inversion of the inversion because <laughs> it's the same situation of like, oh, there's the innocent blonde girl who's with some shady guy and a you know just seems like she's in a dangerous situation and probably she's gonna get killed but surprise <laughs> bum, 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 she's the vampire and she kills him yeah and shout out to the line where she's like i don't 
think we should I don't want to go up there and he's like oh you can't wait baby <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's a little moment where he's like staring at her neck playing with the audience expectation of like hey guess what you know this is a vampire show it's in the name there's gonna be a vampire here and then <laughs> oh shit turns out it's the lady. Wow. This isn't your dad's Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> from four years previous. <laughs> and it's cool, too, where, uh, again, we'll try not to give direct, like, spoilers for stuff that's going to happen later. But when there is stuff that is relevant later, I figure I'll just, like, mention it because it's neat to go back now that I've seen the whole show and just to see these things. So this blonde girl, she doesn't even have a name. They never say her name in this episode. And uh, I guess initially she was meant to die in this episode in the big fight at the end. They were going to kill her, but they liked the actress. So they kept her around. And this girl, her name's Darla. And she is like ridiculously important to the overall Buffy and Angel like canon and lore as the seasons go on. And it's just so cool that like there she is. She's just the twist at the start of the stupid WB pilot. And it's just neat. That's cool. I wouldn't have guessed that. She was also in Dexter. Yeah, she was Dexter's wife. Yeah. Oh. I don't remember it for anything else, but... <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's pretty good. If that's all you got, you've done all right. Yeah, not bad. Uh, then we get the cool Buffy theme song that, I don't know, it's Love pretty it. good. It's so good. It's the best part of the episode oh, yeah. so, when it busts into that. So, Keith, I just want to I wanna read my first two notes because they're exactly the same as yours. The first <laughs> one is... Lady Vampire in Cold Open. <laughs> and then the second note says, the theme still rules. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have so. the exact same two. They're in reverse order, but the first one I have is this theme song fucking slaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the, the band that does that song, they're called Nerf Herder. But I never saw Star Wars until years after this. I didn't see Star Wars till I was in like my 20s. So I didn't know that that was a Star Wars reference that so they call luke a nerf herder oh i didn't <laughs> know that oh. well, i was disappointed when i found out because it made me think that band was less cool <laughs> but it's still a great song because <laughs> yeah for such a buffy nerd i just i don't know star wars is not my jam <laughs> so same i take buffy any day so uh at the opening of the show we've got buffy dreaming of the master oh i guess before we talk about the master real quick what do you guys think about these vampire faces so like when darla reveals that she's a vampire she has the big weird demon face thing i think the makeup in this first season is pretty bad uh but the concept of like being able to look like normal and blend in but then turn into a vampire i think it works because then you get that like surprise factor and stuff like that and they can always like you know shock you with this person's a vampire or whatever get a little scare it's clearly like uh, a budget and a practicality constraint because I think I saw something online that said it took about an hour and 20 minutes to put on all the prosthetics for that makeup. But yeah, it's cool that anyone can be a vampire in those night scenes. Um, what's not cool is that in this first episode, people can barely talk with those that makeup and vampire teeth on. <laughs> they should just get... Everyone just kind of looks like Louise Guzman to me. <laughs> And I don't know that that ever really gets better, the prosthetic talking with the, the getting around your S's. <laughs> yeah. No. And I remember, like, it was really off-putting to me when I first saw the show, because I've never seen that a vampire do that. Vampires are supposed to be cool Antonio Banderas. They're not supposed to turn into, like, it feels like more of a werewolf thing. But I think I read somewhere that WB was like, we just can't be staking people every week on tv but if they're if they look like demons then you can stake them all day and who cares for me my my biggest like pop culture vampire reference even though i haven't seen the movies is um twilight 
So to me, vampires are sissy sparkle men. Right. So I like them a lot more. <laughs> and I like there's always the sound effect. There was always like a sound when when or like that they made when they turned vampiric, which I liked because we also watched the um, unaired pilot. Julie and I watched it today and there was nothing. It was just all of a sudden. And it was just it wasn't scary. Like I wasn't taken aback by it. So I liked the noise. Yeah, the effects were I mean, they were they were unfinished. <laughs> like when the vampire got staked and it was just like stop motion but like three frames. <laughs> it was like a man, a dusty man, dust. <laughs> yeah. I kinda like too, like yeah, once I got used to the idea that all right, this is how the vampires are gonna be, they got the weird demon face. It's kinda neat because they established this right away with this guy, the master. Buffy has these precognitive dreams and she dreams about the master who he's the every year they call the uh the colloquial term for the the monster of the year is the big bad. He's the big villain of the year. And the master is such an old vampire that he can't turn back anymore. That's why he's always mm. got his demon face. It's like when you start, you can still blend into human society. But as you get to be a few hundred years old and you're just, you're more and more demon because that's like how vampires work in this world is when you become a vampire, I think it's you both lose your soul and you get inhabited by a demon. So you're kind to yourself, but there's also this demon in you and that's the face. But yeah, it's kind of neat just that that's how they show that the master is super old because he's like old and powerful and he doesn't need to pretend he's a person anymore you fuck with him he's just gonna kill you (laughs) like even in more traditional like vampire lore it's like the vampires look normal and then when they they go into vamp mode they're like teeth you know their teeth come out or whatever so i feel like it's kind of like an extension of that yeah it's like super teeth yeah yeah, and the master is, it, you know, it feels like this show's play on the old, like, Nosferatu type of vampire. You know, the the old movie with the uh, the bald, the bald vampire with the pointy ears and, and that kind of thing. And it's, like, playing on this trope of, you know, here's, here's your expectation of what has existed in the past for vampire media. And we just want to include that as, like, kind of our tribute to, um, to everything as we extend our new thing on. I always found it, thought it was creepy how in Nosferatu, the vampire teeth are like two teeth at the front, like like a, like a rat or something. <laughs> it's a buck tooth vampire. I don't know if this came up in the episode one and two, but in the unaired pilot, because there was that poster, the Nosferatu, and I don't know what that is. This is the first time I'm learning what that is, but it was exactly what you just described, Julian, when like, and at the end they throw the stake at the, the painting or the poster on the bulletin board. That's fun. Yeah, it's like, is, is Nosferatu the first vampire movie? It's real early, if not the first. I think it was meant to be like an adaptation of Dracula, but for some reason they didn't use the, they couldn't or didn't use the name. Cool. Yeah, so it's just an old ass black and white. It might even be silent. It is. It's silent. I saw a, a Willem, not Willem, what's a, a John Malkovich movie about it, but I've never seen the actual Nosferatu movie. But. Yeah, I've seen it. it it's a silent movie from like the twenties, but yeah, the John Malkovich movie is about like, I forget what it was called. The shadow of the vampire where it was like on the set of filming Nosferatu where the guy playing Nosferatu was a real life vampire. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really good movie. It was really fun. Which maybe that's what happened. Who can say? Yeah. It's in the twenties. <laughs> so long ago. So then Buffy goes to her new school, her Sunnydale high school and uh, in a new town and the principal talks about how she burned down the gymnasium in her old school. And that's kind of cool just because the, the Buffy movie was only a few years before this. So, and everybody watched it, even though no one actually cared about it or probably remembered it that much, but it's neat that they made that connection. If you wanted to be a, 
a stickler of like what's going on with this Buffy shit. It's like it did tie in. It's like in the movie, even though she was a very different type of character and everything was kind of different. But in the movie, she burned down her fucking school to try to kill a bunch of vampires. So now this is her in her new school and she's transformed into Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> it was a different actress? Yeah. Oh, okay. They, 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 yeah. To me, that, that line was always put there. Yeah, to be like, oh, it's kind of a continuation. Like now she's moved from L.A. to Sunnydale, uh, you know, but I mean. Is that the only continuation or the only? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, and that was completely unnecessary <laughs> because there's a lot of other differences. The vampire lore is all completely different. Vampires could fly and they were Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. And didn't they um, have little like they didn't have the face, but their ears for some reason were like, yeah, like little floppy dog ears. It was weird. Also, some of them were David Arquette. <laughs> yeah, If we keep this crap up long enough, we should watch that movie at some point. But but yeah, it's like it's not like it was good or anything. <laughs> but yeah, Pee Wee Herman's part was the best, like where when he his death scene is just way too long. It takes like a whole minute. He gets stabbed and he's just like, ah, <laughs> and that's like the only thing I remember about that movie. <laughs> but that was the height of comedy in 1993. <laughs> so the first person we meet is Cordelia, just standard mean girl. Uh, as know. soon as she, as someone says her name, I looked at Julian and was like, Cordelia, because already I'm aware that there's somebody named Buffy, Angel, and Willow. These are names I know. And I was like, Cordelia, really? <laughs> yeah, and I strap in, there's someone named Xander. There's also Aphrodisia <laughs> later in the episode. Oh, I got a note about that too. Yeah, like that's yeah, where too. you can tell they're a little <laughs> self-aware of how stupid the name is. Because yeah, yeah like, totally. It's like in the locker room and some chick is like, who is that new girl? Can you believe, what kind of name is Buffy anyway? And then her friend is like, hey, Aphrodisia. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> it was also in the unaired pilot, I think. Yeah. It was. It was in both. Yeah. yeah they're like, we're keeping that one. Yeah. Cordelia is <laughs> interesting because, uh, I mean, as an actress, you can tell she is clearly older than everyone else. <laughs> She's like 28 um. or something. <laughs> but, uh, and I think she like, you know, wanted to, she, uh, one of those things was she auditioned for Buffy and they're like, no, nah, you can't be Buffy, but you'd be the mean girl. Mm. I think before that she was in some kind of like Baywatch nights or some bullshit, you know, <laughs> like some kind of bikini beach show. And again, I won't give like any like real future spoilers or whatever, but Cordelia is so interesting to go back and watch because she's such a template. She is just the mean girl in school and that's it. But as this show goes on and especially she goes over to Angel, I was thinking about it today, just nerding out in my own little brain about Buffy lore of everyone's like character arc as all the years go by, like where everyone ends up at the end. Cordelia is like, you could make the argument the coolest one because she's you know, like obviously confident and brash, but she's insecure. So she makes fun of everybody. Oh my God, it's me. (laughs) But she has that core that it's believable that she could progress into like a hero, you know? And it's like, great, but it's, that's not coming anytime soon. So get used to Cordelia. (laughs) She is now. Well, yeah, she's completely one dimensional now. So that is, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. The transition of to her to be an actual character that you can start to see change yeah it's really pretty amazing because yeah by the end i just even at the time i remember thinking like wow that's that's cordelia how am i buying this like that's what she's a great example of how this show is secretly good of like no other show would even try for one thing and they wouldn't be able to pull it off like how do you make the stupid mean girl valley girl bitch chick you know into a legit character it's cool Mm -hmm. so yeah cordelia is the mean girl at school and then we meet the nerd gang there's uh xander well, it took me way too long to realize it's short for Alexander. Alexander. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I said. I was like, it has to be. 
Yes. There's one really funny joke in a in a much later episode about that. Do you remember? Oh the yeah, one I'm talking about where everyone. And this is just a minor spoiler, but where they all lose their minds and they call him Alex. Yeah. Because yeah. why wouldn't you call him Alex? That's the natural thing to call him. But it feels so weird to call him Alex. Yeah, they all lose their memories and then they find his driver's license. Then they're like, okay, he's Alex. And they're all <laughs> nice. <him> Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we got uh, Xander, Willow, and Jesse. Classic member of the core Buffy gang, Jesse. Eric Belfour. <laughs> yeah, you said that. So I guess you know this guy. Like you know that actor. I know him from stuff. Yeah, he was in uh, Six Feet Under, yeah. and he was also in like Twenty Four. I remember him from the show Twenty Four for like a season or two. I was on the show Haven, which was a low budget sci fi show uh, filmed in Nova Scotia. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, is that the one Edge was on? Yes, that is the show that uh, credited WWE superstar Edge was on. <laughs> yeah it was weird because i hadn't seen this in you know years and years and years but i was watching uh the texas chainsaw massacre remake for my other podcast prison wallets me and my friend ray were watching it and it was bugging me the whole fucking time that's actually a pretty good movie but uh it is a good movie this guy i'm like who the fuck is this guy i recognize this guy and eventually it was making me so nuts i pulled up his imdb and I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and he's been in 8 million things. And I'm like, it's none of these. I haven't seen any of these. And then finally, way down at the bottom, 1997, Jesse, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Jesse. <laughs> and it's just impressive that I remembered him because I hadn't seen this thing in literally fucking 12 years or something. And I just, but I remember Jesse somewhere deep in my brain. <laughs> yeah, apparently just wanted to have him in the opening credits as well and i don't know if this is true or not but i think it's a fun story either way that uh it's just to make people think like this is going to be a main guy this is going to be one of the guys in the crew and then he just gets killed immediately in the like right, right at the end of the first episode or second episode and it's still like neat that that is like an unexpected thing that happens and it would have been kind of cool if he was in the credits but it, it isn't it's not exactly like a real shock death. They really treat it like a joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, let's just jump ahead and talk a little bit about Jesse right now. Cause yeah, Jesse doesn't make it out of the pilot. He gets killed and nobody ever mentions him ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and I just find that so weird. Cause this is the show, like Darla, I said is like hugely important later on. And there's other people that'll show up that are important later. This is the show that remembers its past and like it pays off to pay attention and to, you know, be a dedicated viewer, but they never, ever, ever bring up Jesse ever again. He was like supposed to be their friend. They all hung out. It was Xander, Jesse, and Willow. And Xander was obsessed. Like he kept talking about he had to go get him. Yeah. Like he was such a, he was his best friend. Is that, he never came back, nothing, not even like a cameo appearance or anything? The only thing is, because I looked this up because I'm like, this is, it is so weird. It's such a dropped ball. It's the only time I can think of Buffy just doing something this, like just forgetting somebody like that. There's one comic book where there was all these like Buffy novels and Buffy comics that Joss admitted he never even read them. They're just like, whatever. It's just like some side shit. It's not canon. I don't even know why they made them, but they made a lot of them. And in one of the comics, Xander has this moment where somebody mentioned something about how hard it is when your friends die. And there's a little shot of Xander remembering Jesse. And he's like, yeah, you, you, you always see them. You never forget them. But that was some random writer who just made a comic book that is like, for God's sake, someone needs to mention Jesse for fuck's sake. <laughs> so that was weird. But the other neat thing, when I looked up Jesse, I had no idea about this. I looked him up on the little Buffy wikia. 
His name's Jesse McNally. Ooh. No. <laughs> He's, he's he's like my cousin. That's my last name. That's so I was awful. like, oh shit! How did I not know after all these years that Jesse was a McNally? Oh, that's great. I never heard the name McNally before I met you. There's this series of books. Now that I've told you about them, you'll eventually see one at a used bookstore or something. They're called like McNally's Secret and McNally's Whatever, and they're just like this series of uh, like murder mysteries. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to so, say this. There was a random uh, series of maps named Rand McNally. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, that's another super dorky thing is uh, the girl I dated when I lived in the States, her middle name was Rand. So if we had gotten married, her name would have been like Rand McNally. That's awesome. You should should have tried harder. That was worth it. Yeah, just for that. (laughs) Just for that alone. Oh, yeah. So speaking of, though, people not being very affected by deaths, like I feel like in this pilot, they haven't learned how to react appropriately to death yet because this show one of the the famous hallmarks of this show was people die you know like that's and and it's like a big deal it's not ever treated like it's not a big deal except here because not only do they later not care about jesse but the whole thing that kicks off the plot here is that a dead kid is found in the locker in the school mm-hmm. and nobody really gives a shit they're just like <laughs> no. did you hear oh you, you know just hanging out in the quad and like dead kid in the locker oh bogus <laughs> like, and then is just like yeah he's dead <laughs> Yeah, it is so ridiculous. But this sets off Buffy's little spider sense of like, uh uh-oh. Because I I guess too, so that's the whole deal with being a slayer is just there's a bunch of vampires and there's one girl at a time who is the slayer and she gets super strength and it's her job to go fight vampires. And when she dies, then a new one is called. So she's already been through that at her old school and she's like, going to have a new start not going to have all these vampires. And then as soon as there's a dead kid, she's like, everyone else seems completely okay with this dead kid, but I know this is vampire shit. It's happening again. Like, God damn it. That's the other thing that's a little bit weird to me is like, they ride the line of like, either she is aware of the Slayer lore and what's happening, or she's not. Because Mm -hmm. in order to introduce it to the audience, Giles has to like explain it to her. But (laughs) also she apparently already knows about it and is like, has gone through all this already. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's more that she's just like trying to, she's like, man, I just want to be, I want to be the ditzy bimbo. I don't want to be the vampire slayer. And I'm going to just aggressively ignore my calling and just go back to being clueless. Yeah. Like, you know, Alicia Silverstone clueless. That's the life I want. And you're not going to convince me. But yeah, so she goes to, why does she go to the library? To get textbooks. Yeah. Which is a note I have. That is bullshit. And obviously they had to figure out a reason for her to go. Because she's like, okay, I have to go to the library to get my textbooks that I need for these specific classes. Which isn't how school works. (laughs) That's not where they live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, she meets Giles there and... uh, He's her watcher. So there's there's this thing, the Watcher's Council, that is just these stuffy British people or Donald Sutherland or whoever <laughs> who, uh, you know, they they help the Slayer. They just, you know, they they've been around for hundreds of years. They're aware of vampires. They're aware of the Slayer thing. So they're here to help shepherd these girls and help them on their journey. And Giles is her watcher. But she's like, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm, t- I'm tired of vampires. I don't want to deal with any of this. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. 
And Xander also, because everyone's just hanging out in the library, happens to be behind some books. And he overhears all this talk of vampires and watchers and slayers. Yeah, and let's talk about this library for a second. It's nice. <laughs> it's weird. It looks very small, or from what they're shooting. Uh, like, it's got really cool, like, plants and shit and, like, staircases. But there aren't tables where people sit and read. It's <laughs> just... Some books and stairs. Yeah, and the, usually there's only ever four people in there, and it's the same four people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing, again, is just a little a view into the future, but there's in the background, you can see there's a room, that, that room that's like a caged room, like a room that's caged yeah. off. Yeah. That's like, why the fuck would that be in a school library ever? But like, that's very important later. Mm-hmm. Oh. But uh, right now, it's just, uh, I'm just like, why is that there? Why would they ever have made this set with a cage in the library that's cool i didn't notice that the cage was there <laughs> that's neat yeah and then somehow xander came into the library without giles noticing uh, <laughs> yeah the watcher the watcher <laughs> somehow was... <laughs> i will say that reveal was fun yeah because uh the way they did it in the cold open he's like stand behind the stacks and he's like peeking between the books or in that the cold open in the unaired pilot but in this one, it was like they had this whole conversation and then he just pokes out at the end and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> I guess, too, now that we've introduced Giles, uh, we should talk about acting a bit. Because I always feel like Giles, especially in these early ones, Giles and Willow, to me, are the, uh, they're like the ringers. Like, they're the real actors yeah. that they brought in to, like, kind of make this show work. Because Cordelia and Xander are good at what they do, but they're, you know... Xander's only good at being uh, the funny guy, and Cordelia is only good at this point at being a mean girl. Where Willow and Zan- uh, Willow and Giles are like actor actors. Like obviously Giles is he's all British and shit. Was Alison Hannigan a child actress? Like had she? Yeah, and she was too. So that's interesting because Seth Green is later in uh, this <sighs> show, and they were both together. They were in. Uh, what was it called? My stepmother's an alien. Oh yeah. When they were like six or something or seven, they were both in that movie together. Is Seth Green Spike? <laughs> no. Oz. Damn it. Yeah, I think he comes in in season two. You won't have to wait too long. He's pretty rad. Yeah. And I think Anthony Stewart Head was a known actor in like England. I'm just going through some of his credits, and there's a lot of stuff from the UK, sort of before Buffy. Mm, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, England doesn't matter at all. <laughs> There was almost, and I remember being excited about it at the time, but there was almost like a Buffy spinoff about Giles. Cool. Yeah, they were talking about that for years. Yeah, in England. Uh, I would have loved it. Never happened. Never got made, yeah. <laughs> was it just Doctor Who? It ended up, it, it <laughs> yeah. ended up turning into Doctor Who, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird, too. I guess we'll be able to talk about this more as the show goes on a bit. But as far as like, yeah, people's relative acting abilities, one of the weird things about this show, and the other thing that makes it hard to recommend or always made it weird to be a Buffy fan is I never thought Sarah Michelle Gellar was a very good actress in a way like it's like everyone else is holding up the show around her and she's she's not bad but she's definitely not like star of a show caliber to me but I like her better in season one than in any other season because I think she's better at this character she's better at the Alicia Silverstone clueless character who has to fight vampires Mm. and then as she becomes more and more of an empowered uh, you know, more well-rounded person. As an actress, I just don't think she can carry that kind of weight. So by the end of the series, it's like, ah, oh, Buffy, beautiful, amazing Buffy. But I'm like, man, I wish someone else was playing Buffy. <laughs> that would really help for me. Mm. So next up, big story beat, we meet Angel. Bum, bum, bum. So there's a very specific body type that they love in these shows. Big, wide-faced, 
men are what they consider handsome. Barrel chested. Yeah. Wait, is, I don't know if I'm using that word right, but that's what I would say. <laughs> but uh, how do you feel, Ran, about the handsomeness of Angel? Because he's like the prototype for every fucking dude that'll ever show up on this show almost. I have to say, I got confused between the men for the most part, like the, the demon men, because of their large faces. There were many times I asked Julian, is that Angel? And he's like, no. I'm like, is that Angel? But that guy we saw before. But Angel, you, you must know his face. He's like Bones. He's like a very <laughs> Which famous actor. I love actor. that you said because <laughs> Julian and I, I, I don't know why I watched it because I was just watching TikTok on my phone and he was watching Bones yesterday. And I was like, is that David Boreanaz? I don't even know how I knew his name. And then that <laughs> night I was like, oh, is this the man from Bones? <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> So I guess uh, how, uh, again, not to do like future spoilers and stuff, what do you know about Angel? Um, If you had to tell me one thing about Angel, what would you tell me? He, (laughs) I might be wrong, but he's a confused vampire. (laughs) Okay, so you know he's a vampire. That's all. I was just, that's going to happen soon, but I didn't want to give it away. Just in case, if by some miracle after 20 years you didn't know Angel was a vampire, (laughs) I figured I'd let you learn that one on your own because it is kind of a neat moment. But I got it. Cool. Just checking. (laughs) Oh, no, I, I I always knew that one, luckily. And yeah, the story uh, behind old David Boreanaz is that he got hired while walking his dog. Like, he was walking his dog around Hollywood. He was an actor. Like, you know, it's not like he was just some random person. But instead of a traditional casting process, somebody saw him walking his dog, and they were like, holy fuck, that's the most beautiful man I ever saw in my life. He's going to be Angel. Is this his most famous role? Isn't there something else he's really well known for? No, he's in Bones. Yeah. He was in Bones for like 12 years. Bones doesn't count for me, okay? Oh, he's in the show Angel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. And he's another example of like, I wouldn't say he's a, a great actor, but it's really 50-50 with him because, yeah, like, very minor spoiler, he got his soul back. That's why he's not a mean vampire. Oh. And, uh, and I don't think he's great at being good guy angel he, he gets better as you know years and years of experience but but he's not amazing at it but whenever he gets a chance to be evil angel he fucking kills it he's so good at that <laughs> this is just a podcast of keith cr- critiquing actors yeah <laughs> which again yeah it's like it won't mean anything till later anyway but uh, but anyway angel's the one who tells uh buffy about the concept of a hell mouth that sunnydale is on a hell mouth And Giles later explains to her that the deal is originally the earth was inhabited by demons, demons everywhere, big battle. Somehow demons got locked away, ancient fighting or whatever. They locked away all the demons, but there's still these hell mouths that are like, it's like a volcano. It's like, you know, it's where the magma of demonism can get back out into the world. And unfortunately, I don't even think it's just Sunnydale. I think the school itself is right on the Hellmouth, if I remember right. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I believe. So, yeah, so that's why, uh, I don't know. I mean, is it just coincidence that Buffy is in this town? Or I think they must explain later that the Watcher's Council helped bring her there, right? He does say, so, yeah, I was, I kind of had a question about that, too, because it would seem like, oh, she got in a lot of trouble, you know, she had to move with her auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Like she got in a lot of trouble in her one school and had to move to another school. But then Giles says something like, "Oh, do you think it was a coincidence you ended up at Sunnydale?" Right. So I was like, "What does that mean? How did how did they convince her mom to move her to a 
city. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the Watchers Council. I mean, they are a pretty uh, large organization, so maybe they have like a uh, like a real estate side business, and they were like, okay, they they know Joyce Summers was in trouble because her kid burned down a school, and she's got to get out of town quick. And they're like, hey, here's a cheap house in Sunnydale. Maybe you should move there. Who knows what they get up to? Yeah. But yeah, I really don't think they ever do explain yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> How is the Watchers Council this big organization when? There's one person who is a slayer. <laughs> and only one watcher. What too. are the rest of them doing? Yeah, well, they do kind of get into that a bit later, too. Of Not a lot. I mean, in a way, I think it's like they wrote themselves into a corner and they had to explain that very question that you had. Okay. So I think later it's like they kind of get disillusioned with the Watcher's Council because they, they're basically just got their heads up their own asses and they're real self-important and they're just like... It's like they're using their sacred uh, duty to look after slayers and stuff, basically just to party in England and to have cool big castles that they live in and to pretend that they're cool. <laughs> but meanwhile, they just send Giles by himself to go do the actual work. So it's it's not a great explanation. But eventually, okay. yeah, they're like, what is this whole concept? And they kind of distance themselves from it. Interesting. So we've seen almost every set that they have at this point. <laughs> the only one I think missing is... The bronze, the bronze, which is where all the kids hang out in town. It's the cool club. Julian was so mad about this. <laughs> and I look, looked over at his notes for a second and it was just like, how are they letting all these teens into this club? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a kid club. It's like an, I assume. Yeah, like an all ages type club. It is. <laughs> Which is where everyone in the town goes to. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe it's like me and Ryan grew up in East Coast Nowhere town. But yeah, we definitely had nothing, nothing cool like that. I mean, it's definitely not the most realistic thing. But like, I think I remember growing up, there were like options where you could go to certain places and they'd only have like soda at the bar yeah. and stuff. And it would be like teens dancing to teen music so mike and julian grew up in the gta area like outside of toronto big towns like what half a million ish at least if not a million my no not my my town i mean it was probably like 100 to 200,000. okay yeah, it's a big town a suburb of toronto so yeah and keith grew up in a how many people are in in fredericton uh like 50 60 000, something like that and I grew up in a town of 300 people. <laughs> <laughs> there was one store, uh, and you you went out of your way to go to the store. And then at one point, somebody tried to open an uh, arcade. So that lasted for a few couple months, and then it shut down. But it was awesome. And the best thing, there was uh, Bacaloo Lanes, a bowling alley. But then the guy's wife got aggressive cancer and died immediately, and that shut down. <laughs> so now there's nothing, not even a store, absolutely zero. Man. Well, I guess, like, uh, I did know some people that grew up in New York, and they would have stories like that about, like, weird clubs that they went to where they just, like, sneak in when they were 16. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of just had to take the bronze as, like, well... California, probably, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess this is... I didn't take it as they were sneaking into somewhere they weren't supposed to be. I, no. I felt like they were... It was, like, okay for kids to be there. Like, they didn't serve alcohol. Because she even told her mom, like, oh, I'm going to the club or whatever. And her mom totally. was, like, right. is not the kind of character that would be, like, no problem. Go sneak <laughs> into a bar and drink alcohol. Yeah. Do you think... But I never thought about this at the time, and it might just be nothing, but I never thought about the name of the bronze. But is that supposed to be some kind of joke that it's not that good of a club? Uh -huh. That it's, like... It's not, it's not the gold or the silver, it's the bronze. Yeah. 
Probably not. I know, because it's actually an amazing club. <laughs> Even they have a real band playing, which is such a 90s thing. Like, yeah. there's no fucking way there'd be a band playing anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're selling people like one to two pops and they can afford to keep this giant club open with a live band. I think at one point Jesse was drinking a bottle of water, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I assume <laughs> nice. he procured on site, either that or brought in a bottle of water full of vodka. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, not only do they have a lack of sets, so they really got to use this, but literally everyone's there. So yeah. like Willow is there, <laughs> which, you know, she's she's the nerd of the group or whatever. There's no fucking way she'd be there. And then Giles is there. Yes. <laughs> the librarian shows up. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> hanging <laughs> out. a club for children. My note says librarian around kids all the time. <laughs> 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 That's, I think, what the name of the Giles show was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it never got off the ground. That's so weird. So, yeah, it's a little awkward. I guess the way they explain it is Willow's there just because, hey, anyone who's anyone, everyone hangs out there. It's the only place in town. And Giles is there just because he's like, you must acknowledge your duty. And since everyone who's anyone is at the bronze, I knew you'd be here. So I came here to <laughs> continue to hassle you about it. But there is a thing that happens in this that I do love, that Buffy identifies a vampire by the guy's poor fashion sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like the same joke they use later to more extreme degree in what we do in the shadows. But I do think it's really true. Like when I look at pictures of myself from the 90s, none of my clothes fit. All my t-shirts were extra large. Everything was big. Everybody wore big clothes and we didn't think about it. We didn't realize we were even doing it. So like, yeah, if I was a vampire... I would absolutely still dress however I did 20 or 30 years ago, (laughs) you know? I don't think they explain it much in this, unless I missed it, but when we watched the on-air pilot today, they explain it a lot more. In the on-air pilot, they explained it, I think, a little too much, because she was like, probably, what was he wearing? Like, did he look like he was wearing clothes? Where in this one, she just happened to notice her, the guy down on the dance floor, and then she was like talking to Giles and just being like, Telling, uh, explaining how her clothes, clothes were like yeah. different or whatever. It's a little more natural there as well because yeah. in the unaired pilot, it's just her and Xander talking in line at the bronze, and then she finally figures it out and just without saying a word, sprints out of line and runs somewhere. So uh, yeah, this vampire with the poor fashion sense targets sweet little Willow, who uh, is just naive and is excited that a boy is talking to her, and Willow goes off with this cool vampire dude to Darla to their little vampire lair and in the lair jesse's already there he's already been bitten like jesse's in big trouble (laughs) so the whole gang is just getting fucking escorted away by sexy vampires (laughs) uh and then i guess i guess i just got to finish off the notes for this episode buffy and xander come to the rescue there's a fight scene the end of (laughs) that episode the version of it that we were watching um i don't know how it works in the actual two hours that aired but there's when the first episode ends, there's a very sudden like it's a zoom in on um, one of the vampires closing in on Buffy and then just a smash cut to be continued. And the episode ends, Yeah, <laughs> which is just just completely jarring. Well, there's probably credits. I think the credits might have been cut out. Uh, that, OK, but. that was a weird thing, too. In the States, they always had next time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and they didn't air those in Canada. And I kind of preferred that they didn't because it always spoiled what was going to happen in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, last thing I want to say is this always bugged me for all seven years or whatever of watching Buffy is Mutant Enemy is the production company. And it's the little monster drawing that goes by and it says, grr, arg. And I had to watch that happen hundreds of times. 
and I hate it. It's just fucking annoying. I hate all those things like sit upu sit, uh, good business or whatever. <laughs> if I ever have a production company, it's going to be quiet. You don't need to have a funny sound bite on your fucking thing. Well, one can I add? There's one that's go to bed. I remember that one. Yeah, and like, they're all so annoying. I just hate them all. <laughs> and this one is one of the worst. Like, especially as this show gets more and more of like, sometimes some heavy shit happens in this show. And then, grr, hard. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> what the fuck? When you're rewatching it now, is that what you you see? Uh, yeah, I guess I will. Because the ones I downloaded, I, I just downloaded a torrent. So I think it was just TV rips from back in the day. Oh, so yeah, if you guys aren't seeing those, you're better off. No, we're not. It's fucking lame. <laughs> I'm sure you'll see them at some point. Right on. There's Welcome to the Hellmouth Part 1. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to drop us a line about any thoughts that you have about Season 1 of Buffy, I kind of just grab comments from all around, but uh, the easiest way is probably just the Instagram. It's Buffy Podcast on Instagram. Just drop your thoughts in whatever is the most recent post, and uh, we'll bring them up on the show. We recorded all this pilot stuff all together, so uh, no fan commentary for a couple episodes, but that's plenty of time to just get your fucking thoughts in. Get your shit in. Get your rocks off, get your rocks off, honey. And you remember that song? I should listen to that. All right, we'll see you next week, and uh, for anyone who hasn't heard it before, let's just end off with the, the gur... See, it's going to sound stupid. The little gur arg sound it's it's literally one second long it's not going to seem like a big deal but week after week after week i hate that thing here it is all right see you next week Grr, arg. <laughs>